Hello and welcome to episode 28 of Labor Pains Podcast brought to you by Women Connect and Support and I am your host Teresa. This podcast is here to help men and women that are experiencing infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. We will share stories of those struggles Um, of infertility and loss and the grief that goes along with it. We will also occasionally have some episodes with some experts that can give you great advice if you are having those struggles where we can answer some questions and they can give resources to help you find the best way for you to have the family that you so much desire. Today's guest is Roxy. What an amazing woman. Her and her husband have gone through quite the journey to have a family. They're still on their journey to complete their family. Um, They have had, gosh, uh, infertility struggles. They have gone through IUI, IVF. And through all of that, she had discovered therapy for her to to deal with all of that hardship um, and heartache and that therapy for herself has turned into a business where she has touched hundreds upon hundreds of lives so I can't wait for you to hear her story so hello Roxy welcome to the podcast Thank you. How are you doing today? I am doing good. How about you? Good, doing well. Excited to to hear for you to share your story and for me to hear your whole story. Thank Um, you. So first, I want to ask, tell the listeners and me um, a little about about yourself. Who is Roxy? Who is Roxy? Well, I am a (laughs) 33-year-old. I am um, married, so I'm a wife. I teach during the day. Mm-hmm. I paint during the night. I'm also a mom throughout all of this as well. The other full-time job. Um, we have one daughter and we also have um, four other angels. Aww. So we have walked the infertility path. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And a teacher during COVID. Yes, it's strange. (laughs) Yeah, that's been a hard thing to do through this this craziness. But thank you for sticking with it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We've learned how to adapt and it is what it is and we do our best. Yeah, that's all you can do. That's all you can do, you know. So that's, that's cool. So you mentioned that you're a mom. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a mom? Um, I knew from childhood, I don't know if anything really clicked with me, Mm -hmm. but I always knew that I wanted kids. Um, and then senior year of high school, my husband now, and I had met, um, we actually moved houses and he was the boy next door. Mm. So that's (laughs) our little story there. (laughs) And then the rest is history. (laughs) Okay. Um, he, he and I got married probably about five years after we met. Um, and we knew we wanted to start a family, not right away. So 
we didn't know this whole infertility thing would happen to us. Mm. So, you know, we kind of just decided to put it off for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay. A lot of, a lot of people will do that, you know, want to kind of get established, spend time together and get those right. careers all, all going well and house spot and all of those things. So, yeah. So, yeah, it is interesting that some people are like, nope, as soon as we got married, yeah, we we're having kids, you know, but other people right, are like, no, right. we need to get things in order. I think it says a little right. bit about personalities of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? I needed to know how to live with somebody else. Yeah, first. yeah, so. yeah. So you waited a little while yes. and then decided, did you know um, that you would have infertility? Um, so my official diagnosis is PCOS, polycystic okay. ovarian syndrome. So while I knew that it would be more difficult for me, I knew that we could still have kids, at least at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with PCOS in high school and, you know, automatic cure. Every OBGYN will prescribe you birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking that that will help symptoms when in all actuality, it just hides everything. (laughs) And Google was not a prevalent tool way back then. So, you know, had I have been able to do more research for myself, I probably would have. Um, But I just went along with it. So well, you trust, you, you trust (laughs) that. And and it just, yeah, it just kind of masks everything. So you feel better, I guess, with every cycle, but Right. Yep. Doesn't fix it. So you, so you knew that was going to be, um, give you some trouble. Yeah. So then when you got married and decided to have children, were you still with that same doctor then or? I was for about two years. So we got married. I spent about two more years with that doctor. Um, I am currently no longer with that doctor. (laughs) We'll put it that way. Um, that doctor thought that the cure to everything was just to wait it out and see if I had a period on my own. And if it didn't happen after three months, well, we'll give you some progesterone pills and, you know, come back another three months later, if you don't have it, and we'll give you some progesterone pills. And it was that cycle Mm. for about a year. And after that, we just got tired of it. (laughs) So that's when we decided to switch. Um, we went to a different doctor, um, still a regular OBGYN. We weren't on reproductive endocrinologists yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and this OBGYN took a much more proactive stance. Um, instead of waiting every three months to get a period just to see if I ended up pregnant, um, we started Clomid cycles. Okay. And Clomid is a pill that will help you ovulate if you have PCOS. Um, After a few rounds of that, we found that I could ovulate fine, um, but still nothing was happening. So we switched to Femara, which is also a pill um, off-label that can help with ovulation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that helped as well. So both of them showed that I could ovulate. So it had to be somewhere in the conceiving that was the issue, which is what we found out. Okay. Um, so with this doctor, he ran an insurance check. And after so many cycles, um, we could, we could pursue IUIs. And so we did. Um, we did two IUIs total. 
Both of them ended with nothing negative. We did trigger shots with them to ensure that ovulation was strong and absolutely nothing. Mm. So we decided to move on. <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, it sounds like this doctor was just, like you said, you know, proactive, like let's not stick doing the same thing over and over with no results. So that's good. Right. Which was much appreciated. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's a long, it's not an easy thing to do for sure to, to go through um, all the infertility, but to dwell on it and stay stuck in one spot is yes and to be stuck for month after month after month yeah because this isn't a quick process as we all know no (laughs) no it's not okay so the UIs didn't work how are you let's go back a little bit how were you with the Clomid um side effects any anything or were and any Um, other any any problems with those drugs lots of headaches lots of nausea so I survived on caffeine Mountain Dew was my best friend in the mornings (laughs) (laughs) Um, we had adjusted the different doses. We adjusted the day I took it. Um, you know, if you start on day three through seven versus five through 10, you might get a different response. Mm. So Mm. every cycle we just fine tuned little by little. Um, so pretty much any day I took any of those ovulation inducing drugs, um, I was caffeinated very highly. (laughs) Okay. It's interesting to me the different side effects that people have with it. So that's oh, why yes. I asked. And headaches were definitely my number one with those. Yeah. yeah. But we do what we got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want the end results. So, yeah, you do what you got to do. So, okay, okay. After IUIs, those didn't work. So, decided to go to the next step. Tell us about that. Yeah. And our doctor actually suggested at our OBGYN. Um, so, he ran our insurance then for infertility benefits and it came up that they were 100% covered which is almost unheard of I in the United States. I was going to say what? Almost unheard of. So Illinois has something called the Illinois infertility mandate. Um and what it guarantees is if your employer is based in Illinois and that's where their home office is and your insurance is offered through them, they have the option to offer this infertility mandate. It will give you either a certain dollar amount or a number of retrievals per lifetime that you qualify for. And this is after um, either deductible or out-of-pocket max is met depending on your insurance. And it's not every company in Illinois, which is weird, Hmm. Um, but it was the company that my husband worked for who offered it. Thank goodness. Because we would not have our daughter without it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I've not heard of that. So the company has to have that as an option. Wow. That was cool that they did. Very fortunate for you guys. It's a big bonus. (laughs) That is a huge, huge bonus because it is not cheap. No, not at all for that. (laughs) So, yeah. So good deal. So that was good news. Yes. So, so he actually, he referred us to, um, am I allowed to name drop? If you would like to, you absolutely (laughs) can. It's totally up to you. (laughs) Perfect. He referred us to Dr. Dial in Creefcore. Mm -hmm. Um, and I believe it was his wife that went to school with her or maybe it was him as well. I'm not sure on that. Um, but he said, you can look her up online. I'm not just referring to her as a friend. I'm referring to her as, you know, a well-revered colleague in this field. Like she has the history. Mm-hmm. She's got, 
you know, she has the success rate. She's got everything you need. We're not just going to send you there because we like her, but we know she works. Awesome. So we have been with Dr. Dial since, oh, 2014. Wow. For a long time. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like for a very long best time. friends now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we, um, after we found out that we were, you know, 100% covered because of the infertility mandate, um, I called right away and set up our initial consult and we, you know, made things happen pretty quickly from there. Awesome. And I want to just, for the listeners, um, benefit, Dr. Dial was on a previous um, podcast. Um, I know her, she was actually my uh, daughter's doctor, my oldest doctor, my Mm -hmm. oldest daughter's doctor. And then Dr. Dial shared her journey with infertility, and I believe it was on episode 13. So if anyone wants to hear her story as a doctor, what she went through, I want to reference that here. So yeah. So okay, you go see Dr. (laughs) Dial, and you fall in love with her. Yeah. And it's good to have somebody who's been in your shoes who knows, who understands, who's taken all the shots, everything that they're prescribing to you, who's dealt with all the, you know, crazy side effects. Mm -hmm. She knows she has been exactly where we are. And that is, I, you know, I can't appreciate it more. (laughs) Yeah. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. So what was her, what did she decide to do? So we went to see her, what I'm sure, you know, there were a lot of tests, Oh yeah. <laughs> Done. <laughs> there I think on the first on the first visit that we had that was our initial consult day. Um I believe I had at least 6 vials of blood drawn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my my husband had two or three. Um and since we have our infertility coverage, we said test us for anything, test us for everything. Yeah. You know, we're going to push this insurance to the max. We're going to see what it can do for us. You know, we're paying a lot for it, but it's working for Mm -hmm. us. So let's get to the bottom of this. You know, she, I still have the paper in our IVF box as well. Um, She gave us our success rates with IVF, without IVF. um, And it, you know, that's, it's something that we just hold on to. And, you know, we have success already with our daughter. We have a good success percentage and, you know, it's, I don't know. We just had a lot of hope for what would come from that initial consult, Mm -hmm. which was good. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to just backtrack there a little bit. What is your IVF box? So, well, it's become a drawer because we've (laughs) gone through it so many times. (laughs) Um, Our IVF box initially held, um, you know, all of my old calendars. So we cycled three times to get our daughter. So it was three cycles worth of calendars, Mm. of paperwork, Mm. of ultrasound pictures, anything and everything that had to do with IVF. I'm a little superstitious and I don't get rid of anything like that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Until we get the final outcome. So, um, you know, it all went into the same spot. There was a box in my closet and now it's a drawer in my dresser because we have so much of it, (laughs) but we still have everything from day one when we started way before, way back in 2014. So, 
I'm hanging yeah. on to it. I'm not getting. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big story about it. It's a big part it definitely of our story. Is. Definitely is. So, with all the blood work, all the testing, what did Doctor mm-hmm. Dial um, find? Anything or? Um. So she confirmed that we had that I had PCOS. Mm-hmm. Um. She also confirmed that my husband was a rock star. Oh, so good. <laughs> it was. <laughs> At the beginning, it was not his issue. Instead, it was my issue. Even though we go into infertility, you know, it's our issue sure. together. We're both going to, you know, overcome this together. Um, but it was my body that was not ovulating. Obviously, we already knew mm-hmm. that. But we also knew that I could ovulate with pills, so it would respond to medication. Um, we did one retrieval and transfer. Um I did not overstimulate, but with PCOS, you have a lot of follicles to stimulate. My AMH, which is um, anti-malarian hormone, um, which tells you basically how many, like a percentage or a number of eggs that are left in your body. It doesn't give you an actual number, but you want it to be like, I don't know, one to two. I'm not a doctor, so don't quote me <laughs> okay, on this. I won't. <laughs> But like one to two is good. Below 0.6 is like very low ovarian reserve. Mine was 14. So it was extremely high because I'd never ovulated. So she is like, you have so many follicles that we can stimulate. So we stemmed and we stemmed and I went really fast and my ovaries blew up really big and everything was looking good. Um, We went through retrieval. She sucked them all out. They turned into... Um, you know, fertilized eggs. And um, then they turned into embryos. Not many of them made it to blasts, Mm -hmm. though. And blastocysts Mm -hmm. is the goal for day five. On our day five, we did not have blasts. On day six, we had an early blast, which is pretty small. It's not where they want it to be Mm -hmm. at that point, given Mm -hmm. that they had an extra day to grow. And then we had um, a pre-blast, which is not quite a blast, but not just, you know, a bubbly form of cells. Like it's starting to clump together and make a Mm -hmm. circle. Um, So we just decided, you know, transfer what we've got left. Everything else arrested. We had nothing else left from that cycle besides these two who were a little far Mm -hmm. behind. Um, Obviously nothing took. So having... The infertility insurance, we jumped right back onto the bandwagon because at that point we met out-of-pocket max. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I mean, you can meet it after your first few appointments. That's not an issue whatsoever. Yes. Um, So we hopped back on the IVF train and um, we retrieved again since we had none frozen after that Mm -hmm. first cycle. Um. I want to say we had just a few less than the time before. So the first time we had around 22 retrieved. The second time we had um, 17 or 18 retrieved, which is a pretty high number. Um, But then once again, come day five, we found that it dwindled down to two again. So right there told her that we probably have quality issues. Um, So we decided to transfer those two and to our surprise both of them Mm. stuck both of them had made it to the blast stage at day five which was awesome which is what we didn't have the cycle Mm -hmm. before and I got a positive pregnancy test I got a positive beta the blood draw afterwards I got a positive second beta the number doubled um and 
I always get weird around this day, but five weeks and four days I had spotting and then it was just craziness, like all out war on my body and we miscarried. So that was a tough time. Um, At least, you know, a lot of people say, don't say at least to someone who's infertile. I can say it to myself, but for someone else to say it to me is like, "Eh, you don't know our story. (laughs) Um, But at least we knew that embryos could stick. At least we knew that we could make an embryo by day five and it get to the blastocyst Mm -hmm. stage. Um, So those were two bonuses that came out of our horrible twin miscarriage Mm -hmm. is that we knew we could get, you know, further than the last time. Yeah. Which was such a big deal to us at that point. Yeah. You're gaining Um, knowledge with every, every attempt. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Since that point, we decided um, that since we had the insurance coverage, you know, we just wanted testing for anything and everything that wasn't marked off the Mm -hmm. list yet. Um, Dr. Dial had suggested a few different tests. She's like, I don't think they're insurance covered, um, but, you know, you could get tested for this. We could do this. We actually, unfortunately, have um, a history of blood clotting in Mm. my family. So I told her that um, we got tested for that as well, or I got tested for that. Um, Turns out I don't have it, which is good, but we are treating it um, prophylactically and I'm taking blood thinners just because, you know, pregnancy can induce blood clotting on its own so why not just treat it if it might turn into that kind of thing um we also got tested for natural killer cells turns out my uterus likes to attack things that go inside Mm -hmm. of it (laughs) whether that is sperm whether that's you know a fertilized egg or you know an embryo a blast anything like that so my body likes to attack itself autoimmune issues um, so we are treating that with intralipids every time we transfer. So pre-transfer and then post-positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also found out through another test that they didn't think would be insurance covered, but surprisingly with this infertility mandate was, um, that we have this weird gene thing, um, where we, my husband and I match, um, one tiny little part of a strand of our DNA and my body will either go into overdrive and thinking that an embryo is an invader or it's a mutation. Mm -hmm. And in that happening, that told us that we could only transfer one embryo at a time. So my body didn't go into overdrive and attack whatever was in there. Um, one hypothesis or one theory of why we had the twin miscarriage is one of the twins probably looked more like me and the other twin did not have as much as my DNA as it did my husband's or, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not a Mm -hmm. doctor, but, (laughs) um, it, my body probably went into overdrive and, you know, one was a little bit slower than the other in growth. So it was probably trying to attack one. And when it couldn't take one out, it went into complete overdrive and took Mm. both out. Um, Now, since it was a natural miscarriage, we couldn't test to see if there were chromosome issues or anything like that. Um, But from there, 
we decided that we will be only transferring one ever again. Okay. <laughs> and that's just hopefully to avoid um, this weird, you know, autoimmune body attacking yeah. itself kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think because we previously spoke a little bit, that's similar to what my oldest daughter um, had as well. The one that went okay. to Dr. Dial as well. So it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I had never heard of anyone else having that, which it's called a DQ alpha match. They had a complete match, but you're, you said you had a partial. We were yeah. partial. Yes. So that mean that we, that means that we could still use our own mm-hmm. embryos. If you are a complete match, you need somebody who is completely removed from your genes to create an embryo, whether that is a sperm donor, whether it's embryo adoption or a surrogate carrying mm-hmm. your baby. And that's what my daughter had biologically theirs but they had a surrogate carry with success yes yeah but yeah okay so you've gained a lot of information yes (laughs) at this point at that point I felt like a veteran (laughs) which which is not a fun thing to say but it is what it is I mean you know we do what we got to do to get to the outcome that we want and how much we're willing to push ourselves is up to us. It's not up to anybody else. No one's pushing us, you know, as far as we've gone. But we decide how much we mm-hmm. can handle. So we could still handle more. So we went back for a third round okay. of IVF. And probably, <laughs> do we change medications or anything? Okay. Oh, yes. Every single time, um, Dr. Dial fine-tuned. Yeah. So if it doesn't work one time, why would you do it again the mm-hmm. same way? So her theory, um, instead of giving me a lot of stimming meds, she needed to slow it down. So each time we retrieved, my dose got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, My maturing meds, which was the most painful burning Mm. shot ever. That one's not my favorite. Mm. (laughs) My maturing meds were upped because I didn't have the maturity from the first cycle. Um, so as we upped that throughout my cycles, you know, the quality got a little bit better. So every single time we transferred our calendar and our meds and our dosage has been different. And for that, I'm grateful because she's not, you know, one size doesn't fit all whatsoever in the infertility world. Um, so the fact that, you know, she was on top of it enough to say, Hey, this didn't work last cycle. We're not going to do it again this is what I want to see. Let's see if it gets better, you know, and if it got a little bit better, but not where she wanted it, she changed it even more on the third cycle. That's good. That's good though. There's nothing worse than just continuing to do the same thing over and over and over and and getting no results. Right. You know, that's frustrating. So good. Okay. Round three. Round three. Um, it took a long time for my HCG to go down after the twin miscarriage. Um, turns out we probably still had some fetal tissue left in my uterus. So we had, um, a hysteroscopy to check it all out. I had a minor infection that pushed back cycle and I'm taking it as an omen. Like, oh no, I had this transfer planned and here we're pushing it back. (laughs) Like this is not going to end well. Well, it ended in our five-year-old daughter currently. So after fine-tuning our Mm -hmm. meds and, you know, getting things down to what she thought was the best way for my body to respond, um, we ended up with 
and I, I always call her my day three, 12 cell. So on day three, when they call for the embryo report, um, our nurse always says that she wants your embryos between, um, eight to 10 cells. Like that is a normal dividing embryo. If they're a little slower, that's fine. If they're a little fast, that's fine. If they're too fast, it could be a mutating Mm. embryo. Um, our daughter was a day three, 12 cell, which, uh, shows how feisty and strong willed (laughs) she is. We like to say today. (laughs) So if she's, if she's a little off the wall, we call her our day three. (laughs) So by transfer day though, she ended up, you know, being a normal size blast expanding, I think. Um, And we transferred her and she stuck and she was in it for the long haul. And so were we, so she's here on earth with us. That's amazing. So was the pregnancy pretty easy or did you have any other? It, it was uneventful. Okay. Well, yay, you had until, enough going on prior to. Yes. For the, well, for the most part, it was uneventful until 37 Ooh, weeks. Okay. So I got preeclampsia mm. right at 37 mm. weeks. Um, the OBGYN said, well, we deliver at 37 weeks. We induce um, if you have preeclampsia here, you're at your 37 week on the dot appointment. So, um, here, do this overnight urine test and we'll probably be inducing you by the weekend. This was a Wednesday. I went in the hospital on Friday, had her on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> so besides coming a few weeks early, it was uneventful and we were very thankful for that though. I was still terrified, sure. you know, that something was going to happen after all yeah. we'd been through. So. Yeah. Well, things, things do happen. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, good. Yay. Success. Yeah. Finally. Yes. So good. (laughs) We are, we are actually back for a sibling for her right now. Okay. Yes. 2020 has not been, it's, I don't want to say it's not been fun. So 2020 started out okay for us. We retrieved in January, um, we were, we ended up with embryos that we were able to freeze. We have wow. never had any frozen ever before. Um, and, you know, meds have changed. My body has changed. My AMH stayed the exact same. So I still have a ton of follicles in there left mm-hmm. to stimulate. Wow. <laughs> um, even after going through three retrievals, my AMH was still really high. So after retrieval, we had one to transfer and five to freeze. Um January's transfer did not work out, uh, but we were so grateful for the fact that I didn't have to retrieve at least for five more transfers. (laughs) So, I mean, that alone is worth, I don't know how much that I didn't have to retrieve and I could just put one back in. (laughs) Yeah. That that was good news. That is really good. Yes. So the first one did not work. First one didn't work. Second one, we transferred about two months later. Um, Like our, the school that I teach at, the governor shut everybody down and that next week was transfer. So it was right in the middle Mm. of everything when COVID finally hit and closed us down. Um, I got pregnant with the one embryo, um, had beta one, had beta two, everything looked good. We were waiting for the ultrasound. We still hadn't seen the babe on ultrasound yet. And five weeks, four days, we lost it. 
And it was another, um, instead of a middle of the night miscarriage, this was a wake up in the morning and Mm. miscarried, um, which was tough. You know, we, we decided this time around to share our story with everyone to share it, whether it was early, good news, bad news. You know, I have a lot of friends who are going through this and I didn't know that until after I shared our story. So infertility is something that is kept secret. Pregnancy is always kept secret, you know, until you feel like you've hit the safe point. Well, there's still a lot to celebrate. And, you know, even though that celebration might not end in, you know, your final wish or your final dream, you still created a life. You still had, you know, a baby growing inside of you. So we chose to share the ups and the downs to show that, um, you know, social media may not be all that it seems. It's not always happy (laughs) that people go through a lot and you don't know it until you realize it and somebody else has to speak out about it. Wow. That was, so you shared. Yep. So that was our fun March and April, not fun whatsoever, really. (laughs) Well, and I'm sure you got, like you said, you found out that other people were going through it. Right. And I find that in sharing my story and then hearing others, especially people that I knew that I grew up with, um, it made me feel more brave in sharing Mm. our story because I didn't feel as alone. I didn't feel as isolated on an island or, um, you know, a friend who has a child already and was trying for a second and miscarried. You know, she reached out to me and was like, you know, I'm, I really don't want to have to go as far as IVF. I'm really sorry you've had to. This is what I've experienced. And I just want to share it because I haven't shared it with anyone. So even if it's something like that and you haven't gone through IVF, it's still good to have an ear of someone who has gone through it. Well, and you were a safe space for her to share that, which, which is great. Right, right. Um, so yeah, so after that point, once again, infertility mandate out of pocket mass is met. <laughs> uh, we had, I had to give my body time to recover my beta to fall again. Um, and we decided to hop back on that bandwagon, that crazy bandwagon. Um, and we transferred again in July and this time around, um, the embryo stuck we don't have a child to show for it and we won't. So we had another miscarriage. This, however, was different. So I had only had the spontaneous miscarriages, um, lots of pain, you know, lots of issues, horrible trauma that I don't like to remember, but I can never erase it from my brain. Um, this time around we had a baby, we saw it on ultrasound. Um, it had a heartbeat flicker. So we saw the heartbeat. We could not hear it. Granted it was early, Um, but we saw the baby at six weeks and then saw the baby at seven weeks, four days, um, because we couldn't hear the heartbeat the week before Dr. Dial said, peace of mind, schedule an appointment next week. Um, you know, it was going to be two weeks after that, but since I know she's good at finding that heartbeat, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to hear it, you know, to have, um, peace and calmness. Well, I went back in on Seven weeks, four days, saw the baby, but the yolk sac was big and that was not a good sign. So she said, um, baby looks like it needs a lot more support than what it can give itself, which is why the yolk sac is really big. Um, 
So she said, I would not be surprised if the next time you come in, if you didn't have a heartbeat and it kind of hit, you know, that we made it this far. I really have to go through this all again. If we want a child, like, why can't this just fall in our court this time? Um, so we went back in or I went back in because, you know, spouses are not allowed because of the pandemic. So I had to do all of this, you know, by myself calling the husband afterwards. Um, and at eight weeks, we did not see a heartbeat anymore. And the measurement of the baby was still the exact same as the last time I saw it. So I know in my heart that the last time I saw the baby was going to be the last time it was the biggest it grew. Um, and it's little heartbeat probably stopped Mm. somewhere right after I saw it. So we decided on a DNC that time around, um, which while it was a lot more medically for me to go through, I think I prefer it over any natural miscarriage, which is spontaneous and just comes up on you out of nowhere. It gave me more, I don't know, peace of mind or settling with the whole situation. Though it sucks to even say that. (laughs) Yeah, but if Um, people haven't been through that, they don't understand that. That waiting and waiting. Exactly. You know, and I know with other women, you know, you know, and and I think if you've done that a couple of times already, it's to me, I would think it's, it's even harder. To just wait. Right. You know. Yep. So with with the DNC, I would, um, my HCG mm-hmm. dropped a lot faster and my hormones were all back, you know, leveled out to wherever my body likes to take them. Um, I felt like the recovery was a lot quicker. Um, mentally, we are more at peace because we were able to test the baby to see if it was my body that was the Mm -hmm. issue or if it was the baby. Um, We -hmm. found out it was a boy and it had trisomy 15. So in doing all of my Google research, lovely Dr. Google, (laughs) um, the baby does not usually live past 90 days in utero if it has trisomy 15. So it was inevitable that it would have happened but we made it halfway there to that 90 days we can look at. So, you know, for as much as we want a baby and to add to our family, to make it grow, I don't want a child who is going to struggle all of their life just because I wanted them here so badly. So my love for a kid would not like, I would feel horrible if I had Mm -hmm. a kid that had to struggle, you know, if, if he or she had health problems, um, all because I wanted to keep them here on earth. Like I don't, I don't want to cause a baby pain just for my own wants and yearnings. And I think that's what put me most at ease is finding out the results of that test. So that's our 2020 story. (laughs) have frozen embryos. Are the embryos, can those be tested? Um, the ones that we have frozen, yes, we do not. Okay. The one thing that Illinois does not offer in their coverage is testing coverage. So we have biopsy coverage of these embryos, but we do not have the testing coverage. And that can be 250 bucks an embryo up to 300 an embryo to test it. 
Um, and with Dr. Dial thinking that we have quality issues to begin with, um, she fears that thawing an embryo to biopsy it, to mm. refreeze it, and, you know, eventually thaw and transfer, she thinks that would really break down sure. the quality of the sense. embryo even more. So we decided, my husband and I, and with Dr. Dial's, you know, her expert opinion on this, um, since I had met out-of-pocket Max, that we were going to let those three sit on ice indefinitely. So we retrieved again in November and we decided this time around, we want to do anything we could to avoid these miscarriages again. You know, if we know we have quality issues, we're going to be proactive in figuring out what's a good embryo and what's not. So we ended up having after that November cycle, um, four embryos to send off and test. Three of them came back PGT normal which is insane for us. So 75% of the embryos were normal for us on that last day. Um, And that we are just ecstatic about because we've never, we've never been that deep into our journey that we knew that Mm -hmm. much about the embryos that we had. And to get to that point, it's kind of settling like, all right, I got three more shots before I got to retrieve (laughs) again. You know, (laughs) one, one of these three has to take, it just has to, I know it will. Um, but I'm a lot more settled in knowing that these are normal embryos and that I know my body can carry, I know it can carry to full term and, you know, birth a healthy daughter. We've been there, done that. I know it can carry because we had two miscarriages. Now, was it my body? Was it the embryos? We know about one of them, you know, so if we can at least eliminate the embryo factor, I'll do what I can for my body. Well, you know, we'll see how one of these three goes. Well, that sounds very, so. very promising. Very, Let's hope. Very... <laughs> Let's yes. hope. And so that's in a couple weeks, did you say? Um, we are starting the process in about two weeks. Okay. I'll start my testing. Um, I actually have a blood test tomorrow for my day three labs. Um And then, you know, we'll check out my uterus in a few weeks, see if it's looking good. And then I'm not quite sure when shots start, probably in three weeks, I'm guessing. FETs are so much simpler than retrievals and they just Uh, blow my mind (laughs) that I'm still not used to how simple and how few shots there are. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll we'll get there in hopefully about a month, month Well, and and you may not know this. Maybe you do because of you are a an IVF expert, you know, now I think they have, and maybe I could be wrong. I thought I had read that they're finding now that doing the frozen embryos percentages are higher than the fresh. Okay. Yes, they are. Yeah. So these last two retrievals I had this year in January and November, I ended up with, um, hyperstimulated ovaries, OHSS, and while it was mild, it was mm. absolutely horrendous. I didn't end up in the hospital, um, but I laid in bed for four days straight, couldn't move, could barely roll over. It was hard to breathe. You know, I didn't gain massive amounts of weights in a rapid time, um, but I had majorly tender, I, my whole entire mm-hmm. body, not just my abdomen. <laughs> so... 
if your body is trying to recover itself and then also accept an embryo five days after you have this major surgery, it's like, wait a minute. No, we got to work on the body first. (laughs) So the doctors have found better success with transferring frozen embryos because your body's not going through all of the stress of retrieval surgery. Makes so. That's the one yeah, bonus of FET. That makes a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense. Yep. Yep. Oh, good. So through all of this, and and this is just I I don't I don't know. You'll have to tell me. How do you handle each one of those um, losses, miscarriages? Is there a kind of grief with that, or or not so much? I mean. Especially the the miscarriages. Um, I like to think, and I don't want this to sound bad in any way, shape, or form. Since we are, you know, we're blessed with insurance coverage. We don't have the financial mm. strain of cycling. So we have alleviated one of the burdens that many people in the infertility community who suffer with miscarriages also have. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that factor for us. It's time. It's mental, you know, it's all a game, but it's not a financial game. So from us, for us bouncing from cycle to cycle, it's, it's easier on us financially. It is not easier on us mentally or physically for that matter. Yeah. Um, Right. So I recently, um, well, within the past two years, I started um, a business on my own outside of teaching and it's kind of been my outlet. And I've also turned it into my own therapy for dealing with miscarriage and dealing with our infertility journey ourselves. Um, I paint people's mm. embryos, <laughs> which which sounds like a really um, specific thing to get into. Um, I was inspired by some artwork that I saw on social media um, a long, long time ago, like two years ago. Um, and this was after we had our daughter, when we were getting ready to try for a second one. And then my husband changed jobs and no more mm. infertility insurance. So with that even came grief. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, we can't try for another kid. We can't afford it. We can save up for it. You know, it could take us years to save up for this, you know, to try again and then have the unknown if it's going to work or not. So um, I turned to my own therapy and that's talking and creating. Um, And in creating these embryos, I have found that they're one of the most special pieces of artwork for not only the mom and the the dad of the embryo, the parents of the embryo, whoever they are, but also for me, because I know that I'm not alone in this journey. And there are a lot of other people who are walking this horrible, awful path with us and we're all together in it. You know, it's not, it's not a competition. It's not a race to the finish line. It's how much support can we give each other in our journeys that are horrible and awful? I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Um, So what can I do to help others? So I started painting embryos. It helped me to bring a little bit of color to, you know, our daughter's gray and white embryos. I decided in our own journey that any embryo that's stuck 
that I was able to carry for a certain amount of time um, that I would paint as well. So we have, you know, like I talked earlier about, we have four angels who I have painted. We have my daughter who I have painted and they're all together. Mm -hmm. They're all part of our story. Um, Our daughter was right there alongside of us throughout my most recent miscarriages. So she knows that, you know, mommy and daddy go to the doctor to get a baby put in my belly and (laughs) it may grow. It may Mm -hmm. not grow, but we're working on it. So she knows her story as well. And um, she loves painting her baby embryo too. So I've kind of inspired her, you know, in a different way. She's not dropped off by the stork. She took a lot of money, a lot of hard yes, work, a lot of time yes. and effort. <laughs> yes. So that was so all you now paint but... <laughs> embryos for others. Now you said you painted yours. <clears throat> so they send yes. you a so picture. So it all started. Um, wow. Yes. So it started about two years ago. I have two good friends um, who went through IVF around the time that we did, or one of them went through it right before us. Um, I said, hey, send me your embryo picture. I'm just trying out our daughters and I want to see what it looks like, you know, if I can paint somebody else's too. Like maybe, maybe I'll turn this into something because it's kind of therapy for me working Mm -hmm. through, you know, what we've gone through. Um, I painted theirs. They loved them. So I'm like, okay, maybe I take this a step further. So we have a crafting page in St. Louis where um, all things handmade are put on. And it's just a site where you post and anybody who wants something, they can comment, they can message you interested. You send them, you know, more info about your product and if they want it, they order. So I took it to that platform, um, had a bunch of interest there. And I started posting them on my Etsy page or sorry, not on my Etsy, on my Instagram. I got a ton of followers like instantly, which blows my mind. (laughs) Um, And then from there, people were messaging me wanting to know how they got their embryo painted. So I decided to open up an Etsy store um, and I've painted over 600 embryos since then, two years ago. Oh my goodness. So it has, it's really taken off and every single embryo that I paint is totally different. So, um, when a person orders a painting from me, they send their embryo picture to me and the painting that I come up with is based exactly off of their embryo, um, in a more artistic way and colorful. So, I usually find on the embryo where the baby is going to form. And I like to make that like the brightest part, the most detailed part. And then everything else just kind of follows the patterns throughout the embryos. Um, And then the stories that they send me along with it, every person, every person's path to parenthood Mm. is so unique. You know, some of us have the same path, you know, we've done IVF two or three times, but our body issues might be different or our miscarriage numbers might be different or IVF maybe Mm -hmm. worked on the very first shot, you know? So every single story that I hear tells me that I'm not alone. And, you know, everything that we've done to try to make our daughter, to try and make a sibling for her, we aren't the only ones that have been there. And that's the best therapy that I have found throughout this whole entire process. Wow. That's a lot. And just for yes. for the <laughs> listeners, just to clarify that, you know, 
obviously, you know, just to make sure that you clarify that, those are people mm-hmm. that have gone through IVF. No other form of, mm-hmm. you know, infertility treatment. They, IVF is the only way to get a picture of an embryo. Right. So you painted mm-hmm. 600. Yep. Wow. Over 600 embryos. Yes. My phone croaked in the spring, so I don't have the exact <laughs> picture number. <laughs> but but I know based on, um, you know, if I go back and look at my previous orders and I count up a total from a certain date, I know that yeah. it has been over 600 embryos. I am currently in 49 states in the U.S. I'm still waiting on Montana, so I'm wondering if they have infertility oh. coverage or not in their state. <laughs> And uh, my paintings are also in 12 oh other countries around the wow, world. That's amazing. So I'm blown away. It is so fascinating how this has taken off. And it all started just, you know, as therapy for me yeah. not to feel alone in our journey. This community almost of, of women that mm-hmm. all probably yeah. feel like they're not alone now. And it's even... Know? No. And it's not even just women, it's dads too. So I had, well, and surrogates and gestational carriers, you know, I've got, I had one family tell me that it's not just people who are infertile that are buying these paintings. You know, we are, we fit in the LGBTQ community. We're not infertile, but we can't have kids together. So we have to go this route. This is the only way we Mm -hmm. can have a child without adopting. So even in their story alone and, you know, finding surrogates or gestational carriers. Um, it's, it's just so neat. And every story wow. is different. Yeah. That's fascinating. I mean, <laughs> so unique. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I don't know. I don't know what the right words are. It's just amazing that you have found this, like you said, for yourself, but it has gone way bigger than mm-hmm. Then she's you. It's still therapeutic for you, but it's helping so many others (laughs) along the way. That's amazing. So what is the um, name of your Etsy shop? Or if people are interested in this, how do they get in touch with you? Yes. So the name of all of my social medias of my website and of my Etsy is Dear Coco Design. Um, Coco is the nickname for our daughter. Her name is Cora. And I just had to find, um, you know, an Instagram <laughs> handle that was not taken. <laughs> so we came up with Dear Coco. And then I searched on all the other platforms. We added design and it has grown since then. So I just created my own website this past December and it launched on the first of this year. Um, if anybody would like to order dearcocodesign.com, you can find me on Etsy. Same products are offered there. Um, you can also message me on Instagram. You know, if somebody has a story to tell and, you know, they just want an ear to tell it to, or, you know, what's, if they want to know what their, you know, next step should be in their journey. I can't give medical advice, but I can tell you what we did. You know, I can, I can tell you who you should contact yeah. from yeah. here. We'll put it that way. <laughs> That's great. Wow. Amazing. Just amazing what you have, you have done for, for so many. <laughs> it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I am definitely going yeah. to be uh, keeping you in my prayers wow. for this next transfer. 
that uh, that Cora they has a sibling all that we can get. 2021 <laughs> would be amazing. Yes. She's been so excited yeah. these past two times, but, you know, <laughs> understands we all don't get our That's way, <laughs> which, which is good for her to understand. It's hard to understand as a five-year-old, but, you know, at least she doesn't think that everything yeah. goes a hundred percent the way you want it, you know? Yeah. Which why is a shame, not? but <laughs> real world. <laughs> See, why not? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, exactly. We, we want it to go our way. I'm still hopeful for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but anyway, right. oh my gosh, thank you so much for all of that. I, I, um, uh, I just you. in awe of all that you've gone through all that you've accomplished, the, the daughter do you have, but the hope that you still have more, um, more children possibly, will there just be one more? Or not um, sure. <laughs> you know, as of now, mm-hmm. as yeah. of now, yes. <laughs> until we're, you know, until we're, I don't know if we're going to pay storage fees for the rest that of is. our life or what, that's a whole nother ball game to consider later um but you know as of now we've always planned on two to three and for what we've been through so far i'm happy with just one more but i'd also yeah. be happy with two more who knows i was gonna and say who, you the could, embryo you could, could even still split have when we get twins you know <laughs> yeah it's all, it's all unknown yeah. so yeah i mean and just really touching on that people i don't <laughs> think realize that though there is a there is a fee to keeping those embryos frozen. Um, right. Yeah, my daughter still has embryos yeah. frozen. Yeah. You can't yeah. keep them there. For so, um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, lots to learn, lots to help educate people on and share. Um, yeah. And I love that you were able to come on today and, and share your journey. That's not over yet. Thank you still, still more to come. Right. Yeah. So We're before we <laughs> end, I would love for you to share. You've shared so much already, so many words of encouragement and advice. But if there's anything mm-hmm. else that you would like to share with the listeners, encouragement, advice, whatever comes to your mind. Um, one thing that I always tell people who have come to me and talked about this is that you know what's best for you. If you are at a doctor and it's not working for you, you know what's best for you. Switch. If you want to fight for yourself more, if you want to fight for your case more, do it. You know, if you think that you have gone too far financially, mentally, you can't do it anymore, you know, and if quitting is your option right now, then do it. You you know what's best for you. You do you. No one else knows the exact position that you're in. And no one else can be put in your mm-hmm. shoes to fully understand. And if you take it too far, you're going to resent yourself. And if you don't do enough, you're going to resent yourself. So you have to know what you're willing to do, how far you're willing to go. And only yeah. you and your partner can make that decision. Yeah. And that's where we are today. And that's why we're still going back for more because I know I can still handle it. <laughs> and I know my husband can still give me these shots and he can handle yes. it too. So, yep. Yes. Husband doctor. As much um, as well. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing yeah. all of that. 
That's huge. Great advice for people. Just, yeah, don't, don't let other people decide what is best for you. You're the only one that needs to decide that. Mm -mm. And, and everyone has a different opinion and especially with something that, you know, can be taboo in, in society, you know, you can't get pregnant and you need assistance. Everyone Mm. is going to have a million different opinions, but it's ultimately up to you and your partner to decide. Yes. And that's all that it should be. I agree. So thank you so much, Roxy. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Wow. Thank you so much, Roxy, for coming on today and sharing your story, sharing your journey with us. I am sure you have encouraged so many that are feeling alone on their journey and have given them hope to continue. I so much appreciate you. And listeners, thank you so much for taking part of your precious time today to listen. If indeed Roxy has given you some great advice or encouragement in some way, please write us a review. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And as always, the very most important important thing is for you to share this podcast with a person you know that is feeling very alone and is struggling with a loss, infertility, or is having grief. Sharing the podcast will be so beneficial to them, so please make sure you do that. Please connect with me either by email or through Facebook on Women Connect and Support, and that information is all in the show notes. Also, if you would like to share your story with me or here on the podcast, make sure you reach out to me. We'd love to hear your story. We know that sharing our stories is very powerful and will always inspire others and give them hope, just as Roxy did today. She has inspired and encouraged people all over the world. 